Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley and with me is Derek Spesh. Hello. How's it going, Derek? It's going fantastic. What's new? What's happening? I uh, bought a new car this week. Did you really? <laughs> I did. We've been chatting for like the last two hours and you haven't said anything about a car? <laughs> now you're talking about well, it? Well, it's the first time you asked me what's new. Well... <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's new? Derek's fired. <laughs> What'd you get? Well, there's a story here and it's going to, so I took my car in for service. I took a day off work. I had to get some stuff done. So I thought, okay, I'll get. This is the Subaru one, right? Subaru. I have a, I had a Maxima and a Murano. Who makes the Murano? Nissan. Why did I think Subaru? I don't know. I've had Nissan since yeah. 2007. Well, I, knew, I knew which, I knew it was, yeah. was that one. Anyways, I was, I brought my, I bought the Murano in for service and I thought, well, I'll do the wife's car at the same time. So went off to get her car from her work and brought it in. So both cars were in and, uh, they go, yeah, you want to come talk to us a bit? Because I was still in the, in the showroom waiting to, for whatever. So <laughs> they said, well, uh, you sure you want to get this fixed? And they started listing off all the stuff, right? So it was on your wife's car. Yes, on my okay. wife's car. Because yours is only a couple years oh, old. Oh, mine's fine. Yeah. Mine's perfectly fine. I just I just got an oil change on mine, but on hers, the the was uh, so uh, CV joints both sides. The boots were gone. They're all the bearings were all dried out. The uh, ball joint was super loose. They were worried it might let go. The uh, one of the brake pads had fallen off and gouged off the rear brake, the rear router. The front exhaust had. Uh, broken free and uh so i knew it was leaking exhaust you can smell it when you drive right so you get a little bit dizzy so much exhaust gets into the cab <laughs> so yeah. it's cheaper than going to the local smoke shop and buying illegal cannabis yeah. the heater only works for about 15 minutes once the engine warms up the heat just stops no more heat which is fine because you don't want heat on anyways because you're just sucking in more exhaust in the cabin <laughs> So there's so many, there's a, it's a grocery list of items wrong with the car. So basically you've been letting your wife drive a death trap. Well, see, I didn't know until I picked it up to take it in for service. And so I called her, I said, did you know there's some issues with your car? And she goes, yeah, I think I told you, I think I smelled exhaust. I said, well, there's more than that. (laughs) So it was, uh, it was going to be about, uh, almost $7,000 in repairs. Wow. So I said, uh, so what's the bare minimum? The bare minimum would have been the exhaust. But then I'm thinking, I don't want my kids riding in this thing. And I honestly- Your wife's okay, <laughs> but the kids are just a no. My, so my, my wife complained about the exhaust and, and, and it was loud because of the leak. But she she said, no, no, I'm just, I'm, I don't want it fixed. It's too expensive. Because we took it to Midas and Midas had said like $2,000 for a bare minimum, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, I can't believe she was driving that car. Wow. I, I, for, as soon as I drove it, I, I normally just drive it when I put winter tires on or off. Yeah. I yeah. take it for a drive, make sure the tires aren't going to fall off. If I'm taking it go. in for servicing. That's when I drive my wife's vehicle. Yeah. And, um, what's that banging noise at the back? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I thought I told you about that. <laughs> so anyways, it's like, uh, I, I just, honestly, I didn't want to drive the vehicle. It, was, it felt too dangerous to drive. And it's like, I'm thinking, I can't believe she was driving this thing. Maybe she's a street racer. You just didn't know. <laughs> oh, it was so loud. Maybe she doesn't actually have a job. <laughs> it's right at the front end, right on the header that it broke <laughs> off, right? Anyway, so I, I started shopping for a car right then and there. I says, what do you got? <laughs> <laughs> and Siobhan's like, no, I can't afford a new car. It's like, well, I'll pay for it. You got to, you can't drive this. 
unsafe. You can't do it. Yeah. And I, I showed her a video of uh, a while ago. Of it was a it was a pickup truck, and the front tire had flipped sideways oh, underneath, and he's yeah. just driving still, wearing the rim away. I said, "This is what could happen if the ball joint lets go." Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, um, so I, we we look we looked I looked at a couple. I test drove a couple, brought one over to where it worked you know, to try this. We drove around the block, and so we're, what we, what we ended up settling on is a cash guy, twenty nineteen oh, cash okay. guy. In uh, nitro green. Ew. Yeah, it's very nice, actually. Ew. It's a very nice green color. Really? Yes, I like it. So, yeah. (laughs) Good thing it's your wife's car, not yours. (laughs) So, Nissan, I said, I don't want to drive the car. I like the the old one. Because the new one, we get it Friday or something. So... I said, I don't want to drive this car. It's like, I'm, I feel like I'm going to pass out at the Did wheel. Did they give you money for it? A trade-in $300 value? $300 for scrap. That's well, better than a kick in the head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it gets donated to uh, whatever they get above the 300 goes to a charity. Okay. Some sort of kids charity. Yeah. Would, cash yeah. for kids or, yeah. or something like that. You hear that all the time on yeah, the radio station. Like that. Yeah. So anyways, they, uh, they, uh, I said, well, I don't want to drive my car. And they said, well, we'll tell you what, we'll give you a loaner until your car is ready. But they didn't have a loaner. So Nissan rented me a car from Enterprise Rent-A-Car, and which the car is sitting out front right now when I drove here in it. It's a little Chevy Tracker thing. It's, okay. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, so uh, Siobhan's been ri- driving my vehicle, the Murano, and uh, today she texts me. And so I told you the laundry list of items that was wrong with her car. Yeah. So she texts me today. And started breaking your car. What is rolling around in the back of the car? And there's a marble underneath or something is rolling around out of the passenger seat. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So Beckett on the weekend camping, Beckett dropped a marble. And it's every time you hit the brakes or gas, it's sitting on a metal runner underneath the passenger seat. So you can hear it roll forward when you hit the brakes, <laughs> roll back when you accelerate. <laughs> and so that and then the uh, the window the cleaner is just in the back in the in the plastic pan in the back in the back in the Moving trunk around. and it slides side to side when you corner and she's complaining about these noises <laughs> and it's like so the clunky suspension the loud exhaust the <laughs> that didn't clean all these things so you were okay with that but this and she replied back she says yeah ironic eh <laughs> it's like oh my god but anyways yeah so picking up the new car on Friday so I now, got now uh, I have two car payments yay I have two payments left, and then I'm down to one car payment. Oh. That truck is all nice. Mad. Right on. I got what? Uh, March and uh, April 1st is my okay. last. So April Fool's Day is my last hmm. payment. But the way things have been going this week, <laughs> oh, yeah. I had to buy two new iPhones, a new iPad. Oh, really? A new washing machine. Now, if you've printer, yeah, today, yeah, my printer your, just kaput. Yeah, you're beating so on I need a new, a new printer. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we got twelve years out of it. Well, it was it's nineteen seventeen at uh, two thousand seven. So thirteen years out of that maximum. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tracy's uh, old escape was a two thousand and eight. Oh yeah. And we just replaced that back in the spring, right? So twelve so. years. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, we we get our mileage worth out of it, but I was just shocked at the condition of that poor car. Well, that was the Ford Ranger. I think it was 20 years old. Oh, yeah. You and really. And finally, they just said, yeah, you know, it's it's a down payment to, of a new truck if you want to <laughs> fix this thing. And it's like, okay. <laughs> eh. But yeah, I, I got, uh, I got what, 500 bucks for that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, scrap metal weight. Yeah, the weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah five hundred bucks for that, and uh, um, bought the new figure F one fifty, and mm-hmm. been happy with that ever since. <laughs> but well, except for the one thing, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> uh, what's happening here? Uh, so that's it. You just got a new vehicle. Yeah, yeah. It's been a big money week for us this week. I'm, I'm, I'm surprisingly not excited about it. No, go figure. <laughs> you know how hard it is to carry two, yeah, two vehicle payments yeah. and a mortgage and I know. kids. It sucks. Oh man, I need a fifteenth job. <laughs> but you know, honestly, there was there was really no choice. I don't want the I didn't want the kids in that. You didn't the want the kids. Car. Didn't want the kids in the old car, right? <laughs> I, it was just uh, yeah. when I found out the condition of the car, it's like no. Well, there way. comes a point where you just got to yeah. start saying, yeah, you know what, it's time. Yeah. Now that, that I mean that was the that was Tracy's escape. Mm-hmm. There was so many things that were going on it mm-hmm. or about to go. Yeah. It was just like, you know what? No. Yeah. No. You know, I just put that money into something brand spanking. Mm-hmm. It would suck up the, the payments actually isn't that bad for, for her escape. Yeah. It really isn't for, for what the vehicle is. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm good with that. I'll just be happy to get rid of this <laughs> truck payment. I, I did the math of the, the repairs to the Maxima would have been it. If we had paid for the repairs, it was the equivalent of a full year of car payments. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <Yeah>. oh, <laughs> decision made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There comes a point where you yeah. just got to say, do you want something brand new or do you just want to keep putting band-aids yeah. on the old stuff? Exactly. Right. right. So, uh, speaking of driving, mm-hmm. our pally, Alan ah, yes. Drummond of Outdoor, uh, Kingdom Outdoor Kingdom Products. Kingdom Outdoor Products. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He drove all the way down to Florida. Yes. He threw his kayak up on his car. Yeah. And headed south. He got some good video from, like, he's got his drone with him. He's mm-hmm. doing some video along the way. And, like, well, uh, I he, saw him do a Facebook Live on our on our, yeah. on our page. Uh, so, yeah. So, he's going through the Everglades. He's paddling, He stopped to see his parents along the way. And then he, he wanted to hit the Everglades again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, he's paddling. He's got his kayak. He's going through the Everglades, the Florida Everglades there. And he's checking out the manatees and crocodiles. I always thought they were alligators. Okay, so I was just about to ask that. So, is, is so crocodiles Farther in Australia south are alligators. The American crocodile. They're, they're both in Florida. Are they? Yeah. You have alligators and crocodiles. The crocodile. The American crocodile goes from South Florida down through Mexico, Peru, and Venezuela. Huh. But they have mainly alligators, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's what you hear about is the alligators all the time. Yes. Yeah, okay. But he he took up he was doing a Facebook live thing. He says, "No, that's a crocodile." Huh. I'm like, well, smoking out down there, <laughs> you know. Uh, no. So yeah, he's so he's, he was right. Yep. So I gave I gave him some access to our our Facebook page yep. so that he could uh, do some Facebook live stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's been doing some nice video of uh, the manatees. And of course, today he saw the or yesterday, today, yesterday I guess. So, yes, uh, so yesterday I was sitting at my desk and my phone goes, bing, Paddling Adventures Radio is going live. It's like, oh, are we? Are we, yeah. <laughs> so, so I click on it and, and there's this beautiful sunrise with, uh, with the, with the keys and, and stuff like that. It's like, and then oh, Alan. Alan, come on, you're teasing me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's met up with a couple of friends down there and they went stand up paddle boarding and stuff like that. And yeah, the sunrise kayak trip oh, there. And yeah. It looks like he's having an absolute blast. Eh? Absolutely. Uh, Great I did, day at the office. I did have a chit chat with uh, John Van Berger. Okay. About possibly doing some of the same thing while he's on his Yukon journey. 
awesome. But the, the only difference know. is he'll have to do it when he's close to towns and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So if he's to, close to Dawson, yeah. he's out on the sandbar or something mm-hmm. like that. Or he can do a little walk around. Wasn't say, John supposed to do Florida at the end of January? He's going after Canucopia. Okay. I believe he's heading down there. So, uh, yeah. So it looks like, uh, Alan's having some fun down there and, uh, hopefully he comes back and better bring us something like a souvenir <laughs> or something. So if you go to our, our Facebook page, Paddling Adventures Radio Facebook page, uh, and I believe, uh, Alan has also shared them on his Kingdom Outdoor Products Facebook page. You'll see the, uh, Facebook live videos are, are there that you can check out what he's been uh, doing and seeing and stuff like that. And if you've thought about going to the Everglades, you can see what some of the, well, especially the sunrise. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, the big, the big alligators and those, uh, those manatees are kind of big. Yeah. Yeah. I did see he posted a picture of manatees uh, making babies. Well, there was the one making he claimed, the babies. He claimed yeah. they were making babies, but they seemed to have stopped while he was pointing the um, camera at them. And then there was the one that apparently had uh, the re- residue of taco night. Oh, yes, yes. It was Lots of bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of the U.S., if you go to paddling.com right now, they are having a contest. If oh. you're listening to this five, this episode five years from now, the contest is over. It's over. Uh, <laughs> but if you... <laughs> this ends in March 2020. Yes. Uh, they're having a contest right now where you can win a Winona Wilderness T4MX canoe. U.S. residents, unfortunately, only. Mm-hmm. Um, I applied anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they say put your email address and click enter. Yeah. So I entered. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, interesting note though, the wilderness canoe that they're giving away is named in remembrance of Dick Prenicky, a legendary oh. wilderness man who spent 30 years of his retired life living alone in the wilds of Twin Lakes, Alaska. His cabin and his food, um, food tower, I can't, cache, I guess they call this yep. up in a tower thing. They're still there. They're owned by the park service. You can actually go check them out. And they maintain them? They maintain them. Cool. If you get the chance to see the documentary Alone in the Wilderness, it follows him as he builds his, like when he gets to Twin Rivers, or sorry, Twin Lakes. Twin Rivers is around the corner from my house. Uh, Twin Lakes. uh, He builds his log cabin. He builds other tools to to help him. He builds his his above ground, way above ground, uh, food cache. Um, Yeah, a lot of hand tools and stuff like that. He takes old gas cans, the metal gas cans. Okay. And makes things out of them, like tools out of them. Oh yeah? Yeah, when they're when they're empty. Mm-hmm. So instead of just chucking them, he yeah. actually makes things out of them. Huh. Uh, he did a lot of filming while he was up there for the park services and stuff I like that. I remember seeing some of that. Um, was it the wolf that he saw? It's been a while since I saw it. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there was a wolf in there somewhere. But yeah, there is, and you know, he's showing that he's fishing and stuff like that and a uh, guy would fly in on his float plane and bring him some supplies. And he was there all winter, you know, so they show how high the snow was oh, okay, and everything yeah, like yeah. that. And he's got yeah. the one path going through and back. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Alone in the Wilderness, uh, Dick Prenicky. Check, check out that video if you ever get a chance. Really, really good, good uh, film to watch. And you, speaking of film, yes. you brought a little thing to my attention. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Up yeah. on the Nahani. I know. That was, uh, it was, uh, it, it, so I get all the emails from Blackfeather and stuff. And it was, so one of the uh, Blackfeather guide, uh, Mitch Bicambly, he was, uh, 
so he's a black feather participant, whatever. So one of the guys that went on his trip. So Mitch is the guide, and one of the guys that came along was uh, Walter Reed. He was they were uh, they did this thing. What was it back in 2016? Anyway, so uh, back in 2016, they they there's this trip uh, down the Nahani, and and Buddy forgot his camera. He was at the forks, and wherever the forks are, they set his camera down. He was doing some stuff, walked away, and oh, that's lost forever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so in 2019, um, so it was it was Mitch who found it in 2019, and he's like, oh look at that, there's a camera sitting there on that rock checks it out and pulls the card out and says, oh i recognize the guy in these pictures it was another it was another guide what was the other guy's name mitch so but mitch mccamley was the guy who found the camera no no mitch was the one that took him on the trip another guide jake fell passed on a camera to oh, mitch that he found yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah. there we go that's it anyway so they've they, they find this camera on the on the shore, pull the memory card, read the memory card. There's a picture of a, of a trip from 2016. There's like, hey, maybe we can find the owner of this camera. So they give it back to the guy who guided the trip in 2016 and says, yeah, there's a Walter Reed was, uh, was the one that's on our trip, gave it back to the guy. And so Walter, he, uh, he writes a letter to, uh, to uh, Nikon. Nikon and says, hey, I got to tell you this great story about the camera that... Uh, that you guys make and just wanted to, so here's here's his letter i just want to pass on this amazing tale of survival of a nikon product with a canadian context which i thought you the ceo of canada nikon canada might enjoy sharing and passing up the chain in the summer of 2016 i accidentally left my cool Pix 110 sitting on a rock at flood creek a tributary to the upper nahani river while on a three-week whitewater trip down the nahani river to my delight, the same guy that headed our expedition found that camera four seasons later. Actually, it was given to him by a fellow guide who had found it and accessed the SD card, saw pictures of Mitch at Flood Creek where the camera was still where, still where I'd left it. Mitch remembered that I had lost it at Flood Creek. He emailed me that camera three weeks ago from Kelowna, and after charging the battery, it fired up perfectly. The irony is that my son had actually found the camera on another canoe trip, and I had bored it for the Dahani trip. It just won't die. So, <laughs> so that's, uh, that's kind of amazing that uh, the camera came back. He Through re- four winters. Yeah. Three, yeah. Or three or, three so or four winters. So yeah. snow and sun. And you think of all that damage, the petrol damage, right? So the battery obviously died, but he charged the battery back up again. And it still worked. Wow. It clicked on. It ran. So obviously it was a waterproof camera. But uh, it's, that's... Uh, you think I, thought, of, I would think the winter would have killed it. I know, right? Yeah. Three, three winters. Yeah. So it was obviously there? above the high water line. Yeah. But it would have got snowed on with a lot of sun and rain. And but it's what's cool is that like how many people have lost cameras? Yeah. Right on a trip, and I, I can think of quite a few people who've who have been out somewhere canoeing, kayaking. Bloop. Oh. Drop the GoPro over the side. Exactly. Right. Get to the end of the portage and yeah, take a picture. Like I say, I mean yeah. that's probably exactly what happened. Yeah. Here the end of the portage yeah. you put it down take a picture put it down or but it's just it's just the the happenstance of getting it back of recovering it it was uh it was it was a cool story i just found it so interesting yeah that's that's awesome seeing that kind of thing especially that they can find the guy who, who yeah find it, the right? original owner and i've heard stories about this before where uh 
I remember a few years back, a scuba diver was off Vancouver Island. It was in like, you know, 60, 70 feet of water. And he found uh, like a high-end uh, digital Nikon camera at the bottom of the ocean. So obviously the camera was had crustaceans and stuff yeah. on it, but they were able to cover recover the memory card and they somebody recognized the person in the can on the memory card and or the people their pictures were taken of they recognized the type of boat charter that would have been on and and so they gave the camera cameras wasted because it was on the bottom of the ocean but the memory card still had pictures so they gave it back to the original owner who dropped it over the side on this boat charter and he got his his he got his pictures back yeah obviously that's all you're getting yeah the camera is toast and see something like that. If he's got all the crustaceans and everything, yeah. that'd be on my wall somewhere. I know, right? That'd be up on a bookshelf, yeah. going, yeah, "Yeah, there's a story here." Look at that one, yeah. But I, I do some not not really paddling related. I, I do some um, YouTube scouring, mm-hmm. and I've come across these things that they these guys that in the rivers. I watch a lot of those they too. They do all the, the scuba yeah. divers, and they start. They got a bag, and they just start scooping up stuff. Exactly, they're, they're finding fine. cell phones. Yeah. And, but there's there's a couple of them, and they'll if they if they're able to access the phones, they've actually they give them back. Yeah. Called up and said, "Yeah, yeah. you lost a phone." They go, "Oh yeah, I was on this," and, and they get the full story of where it went over the side into the mm-hmm. into the river or wherever. Yeah. And they say, "Well, we found it, and we'd like and to return it." And, and they it meet works. up, and yeah. <laughs> It works, and they say that's my yeah. phone. And there's yeah. the pictures. They actually, yeah. they put in the passcode or whatever, yeah. and and off you go, sort of thing. Yeah, that's, it's that's a, pretty cool. I can't remember what they call it, but it's uh, they call it river treasure. But they call it the actually the act of looking on at what they do is they look at the base of rapids where people do float trips or yeah. you know the, the just floating down the river drinking yeah. beer on a tube or on a float and. You lose your stuff over the side, so they find keys and phones and drones and guns sometimes. And well, that and the magnet fishing. Oh yeah, that's interesting. Oh, they yeah. just throw those big magnets yeah. overboard and start pulling stuff up. Wow, some yeah. of the stuff they find. I started pricing out magnets when I saw those videos. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, well, they're not that expensive. <laughs> yeah, I'd be hitting, hitting a couple of canals yeah. along the way. <laughs> Giant yeah. neodymium magnet. Woohoo! Yeah. What are you doing at the uh, Trent Severn Waterway this year? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> What's that? What are you doing behind your canoe? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> but imagine all the neat stuff you could find. Well, that's exactly right? it. Is it wouldn't have to be worth anything yeah if you're finding really find cool it. stuff yeah. right all of a sudden start pulling up something you're yeah like, oh, this is cool especially <laughs> if it's like an old gun barrel or something like that yeah exactly yeah you know that'd be cool <laughs> uh what's next here vessel identification uh, yes. tags season up is upon us time to Spring think about is it is coming it is it's it's february already man i can't believe it's february I know. already what happened to january I think the older you get, the faster the year goes. I remember, I remember as a teenager, you know, the, the summer between school years, it's like, wow, this summer feels like it was like five years long. And now it's, it's like, <laughs> didn't you, summer start d- yesterday? Don't blink too yeah. many times. You're going to lose winter. <laughs> yeah. Well, spring is coming and you, you know, everybody's going to be looking at getting their boats out. And now I've been doing a lot of cleanup around here and oh, yes. the Paddle Canada booth gave me these. Let me see that. Last year. And oh, it's a sticker. Yeah, it's a sticker. And that's what got me thinking about this is, you know, hey, yeah. Oh, if you yeah. lose your boat. The, this part of the paddle smart too. thing, right? Yeah. Uh, if you're in a country where boats are out all year round, number one, I'm jealous. Number yes. two, this pertains to you as well. 
your vessel identification tags. They're stickers that you can put on your canoe, kayak, stand-up paddleboard, your raft, whichever, mm. um, that list things like your phone number, an emergency contact name and number, uh, a town or city. I wouldn't put your full address on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I mean, that's what the phone numbers are for. If you're at home and something happened, your boat drifted away, they're going to call you on your phone. They, you don't really need them coming. You to don't your, want them coming to your, your house. house. Yes. That's a bit too much information, but put your phone number on it. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, if you're say you're at a Call campground. your neighbor's phone numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and their address. I don't want you at my house. <laughs> yeah. But my neighbors, uh, go ahead. Serial killers. Um, <laughs> yeah. So if, I mean, if you're at a campground and your boat drifts away. Your canoe, yeah. dr- say your canoe or kayak drifts away. There's that little bit of a chance. Then they're going to call your cell phone first. And you go, oh yeah, we're down at the marina. You come yeah. pick it up, whatever. If you happen to be out and something happens, you're on an island, it drifts away. They can't get a hold of you. They're going to call your emergency contact person. Yeah. And say, yeah, we got this whatever color canoe. And says that it belongs to somebody, whatever your name is, Derek Specht. Um, he's not in it. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> uh, and then they'll say, you know, yeah, yeah Derek's on a, on a canoe trip or whatever. And this is what his itinerary was. This is where he's going. This is what he was doing. That sort of thing. So they'll know whereabouts you are to, to go looking. Thinking, exactly. You know, yeah. And then come across the island where you're camped that you forgot to tie up your boat and it drifted away overnight. Uh, use permanent waterproof marker or a grease pencil. And one thing people don't usually think of is if you lend out your boat, then make sure the person you're lending it to gives you information because <laughs> yeah. they're going to, if something happens, they're calling you, then they're calling, like if they don't get a hold of you, they're calling your, your emergency number. Who's not going to know anything. Yeah. What? And it was if, on a trip. <laughs> if they get a hold of you and you have no idea where they were. You're getting your boat back, but you have no idea where whoever you lent your boat to yeah. was or is. So that's not something you really think about, but mm-hmm. yeah, if you're lending out, and I mean, my personally, I usually don't lend out my boats, but yeah, um, you I know, know like, I mean, as a, yeah, if, if my son was going somewhere and he wanted to take the canoe or whatever, yeah, I'd, where are you going? I mean, I'd be doing that anyway. Mm-hmm. Say, give me your, give me a map, give me your itinerary-ish. Um, where you're planning to be, um, all that sort of stuff. So that, yeah, if something happens, mm-hmm. they're calling me and I'll be like, yep, this is where they were going. This is where they should have been today. And so he's probably on that lake and yeah. whatever. And it just helps, helps along. It's just a little sticker. Like I say, we got our, I got these ones from Paddle Canada, but I know I've seen them online that you can get them. You can print them off on some sticker material, whatever, laminate them, that sort of thing. Yeah, I'd never really thought about it. My boat has no identifying marks. It was, if I lost it, if it drifted away, nobody would know where to, where, who lost it, right? Yeah. Huh. Somebody was sitting there going, I got a free boat. Yes. <laughs> when, uh, when we did the, uh, the, uh, Burt Reynolds Memorial River on this year on the Spanish River, we, we came across, I think two or three different boats. One was way high up on a bank. It was smashed. The gunnels broken. The seats smashed out. Yeah. So obviously they lost it in the river and it got tumbled and broken right but it would have been interesting to uh if there was contact information on the boat to say hey tell me a story yeah what happened <laughs> to this boat who, yeah who did, it belong did to? everybody survive yeah right yeah 
So yeah, think about that when you're this spring when you're getting your uh, boats out and put them on all your watercraft. I mean, whether even if it's a stand-up paddleboard, just a little sticker somewhere. Yeah. Your your kayak, your you know, it doesn't have to be yeah. way out in the open because people are going to look and see what's you know they're going to look into gear. Yeah. So you know, you can throw it on a on e- one of the, the even your paddles. Yeah. Like when I did the um, meanest length this year, we were on the Big East and like it had to be like 12 feet up a tree it was a it was a stand-up paddleboard paddle extendable paddle really no name on it so now i have a stand-up paddleboard paddle carried it throughout the whole meanest link so it's a nice paddle it's a good condition it's all plastic it's not a high-end paddle but it's good enough probably about 100 bucks so when i whenever i do happen to get a stand-up paddleboard i already have a paddle Stick a name on it. But yeah, I know. And if the previous owner had uh, put their name on it, I might have been able to return it. Yeah. That's the cool thing about finding stuff like that on a canoe trip or something like that. Yeah. If you find something, there's a name on it. Yeah. And you say, yeah, did you lose something on this <laughs> yeah. sort of somewhere in here? something for you. Yeah. Because honestly, if there's a name on it, I would return it. Yeah. Well, I, and that's kind of cool, right? You're getting something back that you lost on a trip. Yeah. Because I know I'd be, like, if I not lost a, a knife or something like that on a trip, which I, I have in the past. Um, that's why I tend not to carry them on my, my belt anymore. Too easy to flip out. Oh, I've yeah. lost a couple of really expensive ones. And it's just like, you know what? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's just ridiculous. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, if, if somebody were all of a sudden to call me up or send me an email or something saying, <laughs> were you on a canoe trip in Algonquin Park and you lost something? Yeah, I was over on Big Trout or whatever yeah. and I lost, lost my... My, my expensive knife and had this color leather case or whatever. Well, I've got This color for handle. You. And they would probably send a picture going, yeah, your name is on it, buddy. <coughs> and then, yeah. Then you meet up and you have beers and you talk canoe tripping. There you go. See? All right. I'm just going to start throwing <laughs> stuff now. Yeah. Put my name and just litter all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> See how many people I meet. Oh, uh, the new dating service. Yeah. Well, it's a paddle in the park contest type thing, right? Yeah, paddle in the park. Find my crap that I've thrown all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break here, and we're going to come back with Derek's Book Club. <laughs> Another book Derek did not read. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Derek Sprest. You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. If you like what you've been hearing, you can find out more by checking us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page for our website, where all our podcasts are available for download or streaming. We love to hear from our listeners, so if you have a suggestion for the show or want to let us know how we're doing, please drop us a line. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. So back in the mid 2000s, uh, I think, you know, 2005, 2006, somewhere in there, somebody told me about this book and I thought, you know what, I'm going to pick up this book and give it a read because mainly because it was part of a route through Algonquin Park that I I was looking to do it from Radiant Lake down to Opiongo. 
it, it's a semi-fictional story about canoe tripping and fishing in Algonquin Park in the early part of the 1900s. The book is called The Incomplete Anglers uh, by John, uh, John Robbins. He was an English professor at the University of Toronto. Uh, him and his brother loved Algonquin Park and they loved to fish. So if, if, you, if you're into fishing, this book is, yeah. is, is definitely for you. Maybe that's why I haven't read it. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to read it now though. <laughs> well, you know what? I might actually read this one because it does sound interesting. I've heard enough people talk about it now and I, I went online, I was looking for copies of it and, uh, but the, it's, I was looking for something high quality and yada, yada, yada. And I didn't, I didn't buy anything. The one I found that I thought I wanted was 50 bucks. So I said, no way. Yeah. <laughs> well, so it's a lot of money to spend for a book that I won't buy or a book that I won't read. This book, <laughs> the original <laughs> was uh, published in like 1943. Okay. This one here was published in 1998 by Algonquin, the uh, Friends of Algonquin Park. So did they get the rights to reprint it? Or I guess like, they got the rights to, to print it. Yeah. So they did one printing and then mm-hmm. this is a second printing of it. Mm-hmm. But this was put out by, uh, the, the version I have was put out by the Friends of Algonquin Park. Cool. Now I was up there a few years, uh, this would probably be at least five years ago. I was looking for a copy and they were out. And the girl at the time said, I don't know if we're getting any more in. So I don't know if you, I'm, I'm hoping they still sell this in the yeah. bookstore because it's a, it's a really good book. I was uh, in the bookstore on the weekend. I, uh, never even oh, thought to look for it. Should have told you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the incomplete anglers. Uh, so one summer, John and his brother, Tom, they're on a trip and they're stranded on an island in Dixon Lake because of high winds. Nothing to do. They're sitting there in their tent and on, on the site. Cause yeah, when the winds come up like that and you're not doing anything. So to pass the time, they decide they're going to start talking about different trips they had done. You know, sitting around the fire or whatever, and they're saying, hey, mm-hmm. remember this trip? You remember that trip? And, you know, that's what you do. Early form of podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they they talked about the fun times they had, the bad times they had, all the experiences they had, and the things they'd seen, that sort of, just everything about all these different trips and mm-hmm. that they, they had done over the years. Well, John had a notebook in his pack, and he started writing down notes. And these notes became this book. Okay. Right. So when I first got the book, I, I didn't realize that. I thought this was basically a trip log of a trip they took when it's actually pieces of different trips all put together to form one. Okay. That's why they say it's sort of semi-fictional because it's based on the real events that happened, but not necessarily on all on the same trip. Um, so the book was originally published in 1943, although largely forgotten, because you got to remember 1943, we're in the middle of World War II. Yep. So although largely forgotten, it was a runaway bestseller. It won the Governor General's Literary Award. Hmm. And this Canadian classic found its way under thousands of Christmas trees and warmed the war-weary hearts of a whole country. Hmm. This was a big book back in 1943. Christmas yeah. of 43. It was huge. So I decided, yeah, I decided I'm going to pick it up and give it a read. And it's actually quite a good book. Uh, it, partly because it reminds me of trips I've taken with my brother and stuff like that. I've, I've been on a couple of canoe trips with my brother and 
you know, there's always a, you're having a lot of fun and it's, but it's, it's a hard trip at parts and you get on each other's nerves at times. And then you're back out and you're doing all the fishing and sort of anybody who's gone on a canoe trip with their brother, a fishing canoe trip with their brother, they'll know exactly what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like reading a trip log of someone's canoe trip, but there's much more to it. There's humor, there's personal philosophy, uh, there's adventure, there's a bunch of historical aspects to the book. And that's because they're talking back in 19, well, it'd be the early 40s, right? Stuff that, they're talking stuff that we don't even have anymore. Um, so I read the book and enjoyed it. Then I reread it. But this time I had a Algonquin Park canoe routes map okay. next to me yeah, uh, and a pen. And I followed their route. Mm-hmm. Now you got to remember back when they were doing this, the train was still going through oh, Algonquin yeah, Park. Yeah. So they took the train in to Radiant mm-hmm. and it dropped them at the station that used to be yeah. there. That's no longer exist. The train tracks no longer exist. Now there's the, the rail bed, of course. But the tracks are gone, the stations are gone, and they talk about the, the mosquitoes were so bad, they actually slept in the station Oh, well. to stay out of the, the mosquitoes <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, the train dropped them off in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere, you know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, there's all this historical aspects to it that you're thinking, oh yeah. Um, but when I read it the second time, uh, like I said, I was writing notes through through my my book. Uh, I realized part of this, their, their trip is part of the Meanest Link route. Yes. Which you guys yep. took. Uh, you can follow the route, but there are things that are no longer there, like log dams and sluices and lumber camps. A lot's changed over the last 80 years. Yeah. Uh, some of the portages have changed. Some are gone. Some have changed lengths. And new ones have popped up. There was one point where there was two quick portages and a lift over. And I think one, sorry. Yeah. There was, you had to go, there was a, a dam. You went around a small portage and a lift over. I think it was the dam is no longer there. So there's like a little swift. Okay. There yeah, now yeah, yeah. the portage is there and the lift over is still there. So you can just by following the, the, the map and the book is, is you can hear the changes. You can really yeah. see what's changed over all the, all the years. Right. Hmm. Um, uh, yeah. One part they mentioned there was a campsite they had to cut out of the bush. Older maps, much older maps show the campsite there. That they created? The newer maps, the campsite's no longer there. So they've let it go. So they've let it, yeah, they, they've let it be reclaimed. Fishing. Every day consisted of paddling, fishing, eating fish, going fishing again, eating (laughs) more fish, like breakfast, lunch, dinner, fish, 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 fish. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, they're catching all these fish and you're thinking, yeah, we don't catch that. No, anymore. I'd starve That's, to death if yeah. I was relying on fish. Yeah. Uh, the gear they carried different, everything from the big, big canvas tents that, that yeah, they were bringing canvas in. Yeah, canvas tents, Wanigans and yeah, older um, cedar The blankets, the canoes. heavy, heavy blankets. Yeah. They'd close with clothes pins. I still can't figure that one out. They said they have like pins to close, oh, okay, close, yeah. close it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was a, like a grease type bug deterrent. Oh, okay. It wasn't bug spray. Yeah. Uh, but I think it was like a greasy sort of. 
I think stuff they'd put it like a salve Deet or something. is a product of the Vietnam War, I believe. Yeah. 60s and 70s, they created So this that. was before then, it was sort of like a bear grease or something yeah. they'd put on and keep the keep the bugs away. Yeesh. Yeah, yeah. They would take full loaves of bread in their, the the, the one, uh, Tom, the brother, had loved bread, had to have bread. Yeah. Had to have bread. And by the end of the trip, like it's going moldy and they're just like ripping off the, the mold and eating the bread, the stale bread. <laughs> yeah. Nowadays, most people go, yeah, that's not happening. Yeah. Uh, which again, shows even the mentality of us. Yeah. How it's changed. It's oh, bread. You we've pick gotten, the mold off. We've like, gotten so soft, haven't yeah, we? Yeah. Um, it's an awesome book. Uh, like I say, I've read it twice. I've enjoyed it so much. I've given copies away. Like mm-hmm. I've bought copies yeah. for people and everybody I know, no one has, has, has come back and said, eh. Yeah. They've all read it of, more than once. They've all read it more than once. Our, our friend, Mike, yeah. Mikey, he's read it at least three times. Mm-hmm. You know, I gave it to, I think I gave it to him for a birthday or something oh, yeah. like that. But yeah, if, if you look at my book here, I mean, you see like. Well, I saw they had notes in there. Yeah. And- uh, eventually there was a site put in, but it is removed as per the maps. Um. Even in their time, there was a great change. So they even noticed changes were happening. Uh, we reached the end of the trail and saw a tiny Bonfield. So that was Bonfield. Yeah. Uh, start of the Dixon Bonfield portages. It was a log road. Uh, the log road they're talking about, I was looking on the map. It looks like it's gone. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, is the Lumber Road the new cart trail? Jeff's Maps talks about old portage trail to lumber camps. Yeah. So did the cart, the lumber trail become the cart trail? And I mean, you'd, in, unless you can talk to somebody from back in the day. Yeah, you just don't know. You wouldn't know, right? Because that's, that's a lot of history that, like, there's books like this. There are people's trip logs that, you know, back in the day, the people didn't record the, the, the minutia of detail. Mm-hmm. Like, people record a lot of that now. Like, you know, you see Jeff with Jeff's maps and stuff like that. His detail is, is a, Above none, you know, it's, 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 a, his detail describes everything old and new, old names, new names. But back then they didn't really think about preserving, you know, the old Dixon Bonfield portage was here. And so it's, it's interesting to do a little bit of sleuthing while you look at it, at the maps. Well, this one here is, they're talking about this, you know, they're hearing the noise of the water coming, coming closer. It's then I remembered, come on, I shouted, that'll be Levelier Dam. We paddled the tiny swift, turned a bend, and saw it not far ahead. And that's the 185-meter portage okay. yeah. to La Vallée. Uh Yeah, these are just the things. 1,085-meter portage leaving the Forks. Uh, start of Lavoque Lake and end of the 185. So they, you can go through the book and they talk about stuff. And you can follow it, like I say, and say, okay, well, they're talking about it's on this portage yeah, they're yeah. talking about. So you can actually find exactly and of course there's we looked at the time it was half past one it was five minutes we were to fish wasn't it tom commented still today <laughs> we lose track of fishing yeah i'm just going to go out and give it a couple of casts yeah two hours later <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. that was a long <laughs> couple of casts right uh so yeah the incomplete anglers i mean 1943 it was published and if you can get yourself a copy and read it i will guarantee you you will enjoy that book and if you do not enjoy the book, Derek will buy it from you and not read it. <laughs> I think this might be one that I might actually read. 
Like I say, read it the first time to, to get the, the gist of the book. And then you have to go read through it Read it a second time with the canoe roots map, the yeah. Algonquin canoe roots map next to you. And it'll, it'll, it's like reading a total second book. And like I say, make sure you got a pen because you'll, you'll be underlining things and putting, okay, well, this is the portage to here. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm thinking, oh yeah, there's this place where catching all these trout. It's between this poor touch oh, yeah. and this yeah. poor dodge. But things have no changed dummy. so much. It's, well, that's exactly the, it. It was yeah. just with all the travelers, the campers in Algonquin Park, the fish populations have dropped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Big time. But like I say, there's parts of here, like their, their trip is part of the meanest link. Mm-hmm. That yeah. They did this, yeah. this so-called trip that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys were actually going over. There's one part in the book where they come up against the, the logging booms. Oh, right. There's all these. So, so the they had, they had, to, they had to maneuver the canoe around all these tied up logs that yeah. were waiting to go over the sluices. And they had to get through all of that and they had to go by, by the logging camps and yeah. all that. None of that is there anymore. You're not, you, there, you don't see the big log booms and, and everything no, in the middle of the lake. They and, don't do that anymore. You know, getting ready to go down the rivers and stuff like that. So all that stuff is gone, but it's, it's really cool. When you can look at a map and know that's where they're talking, they're used to, they used to yeah. hold all the logs before sending them down the rapids, mm-hmm. right? Which is really cool. Yeah, really a little bit cool. of history. It's, it's, it's like, a, like I say, it's like a total second book if you read it with a map. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why Algonquin Park doesn't sell this book with a map as a <laughs> yeah, combo. exactly. A book map combo. Yeah. Right? A marked up map. Yeah. Yeah. Or just that section. Yeah, because I'm sure you can get a map from the 40s or 50s, reprint it, mark up some details from the the from the book, and then you sell the book and the and the map together. Yeah, but I I had a, I had fun just figuring it out myself where it was. Yeah, you know I mean if you're sitting there at your campsite in a rainy day. Yeah, huh, there you go. Yeah. So the incomplete anglers by. Um, John Robbins, like I say, he was an English professor at U of T and, uh, yeah, all the way back in 1943. And yeah, people, that people totally forgot about it. Not even knowing how popular his book was back then. Yeah. So pretty cool, man. A lost classic. Yeah. Uh, last thing of the evening. Oh, the fun stuff. The anti-fun stuff. Yeah, the anti-fun. We've been finding a lot of this lately. We were him and Han whether to talk about this because... It's almost like beating a dead horse. But yeah. Every time we turn around, it's sort of. It's pushed in your face. And it's pushed in your face. It has to do with waterways. In this this particular case, down in the in the states, uh, in the United States, the the waterways are. Waterways were protected under Obama. One of the last things he did was protect all these waterways, not just the waterways, but all the little things that feed into, the waterways. Uh, the groundwater, the streams, the wetlands, all that sort of stuff. So he puts in this, this, uh, environmental protection. Yep. Right. Federal environmental protection and says, you know what, we're going to protect all this stuff. It's, uh, you know, wetlands, tributaries on the, of, of the waters of the United States, and it'll be protected by the clean water act. 
Well, that has been changed. Mm-hmm. And so they, they did, they had scientists involved. They did a lot of studies. They, it was scientific. They, they didn't just randomly say, hey, let's protect some waterways. No, they went to the trouble and they did the research, all the, all the background information, and they backed up the reason why they're creating these new protections, which was enacted in 2015. Mm-hmm. And so now it's, uh, so what, what gets me in this article says, the change will let landowners dump pollutants such as pesticides, fertilizers directly into thousands of previously protected waterways and allow developers to drain and fill some wetlands for building projects. It's a boon to the mining industry, the oil and ga- or the mining business and the oil and gas industry. Hmm. And, and if, if you think that they're not going to jump on that right away oh, before it gets turned around again exactly yeah start developing now do it do it do it you right this rolls everything back about what did we figure it was like 48 years to 1972 yeah. they were saying 48 years so this is a this is a reversal 48 years of legislation that slowly happened over time so the original one of the original waterways acts was uh, enacted in uh, 1972 uh, Nixon was president, and so they put a lot of, the, and it was it was controversial even at the time, mm-hmm. but it was pushed through by Congress, and they said no. You know what? Like, what is what did they say? Like two thirds of water in the U.S. at the time was uh, one third was swimmable and fishable. Yeah, so two thirds was polluted. Yeah, it was. Uh, there was in Cleveland and that uh, the Cayuga River. Cayuga. Yeah. So it's, it was on fire. Yeah. Like yeah, fire, yeah, it, there's so it, much it, was a, it was a common thing for the rivers to start burning yeah yeah the water is water yeah yeah so they they over the years the, so with 1972 and then slowly through the 70s and the 80s and then in the 90s and then in 2015 so there's they you create new laws as as somebody as a some factory dumps stuff into the rivers this like okay we can't have that anymore add that into the apa and then somebody you know has a has a mine levy that bursts and whatever or somebody tries to drain a a wetland for a building project so slowly you create these new rules to protect the waterways it's like no we've learned over time that you just can't do certain things and so from 72 until now, there was a lot of rules and laws that protected waterways. Now, think of Flint, Michigan. Think of Flint. They still, to this day, don't have fresh water. Mm-hmm. They're drinkable water, potable water. And so this these acts, it doesn't protect the domestic water supply so much, but it does something like these rules protects you from having factories or mining that dumps water right in, dumps their effluent right into the waterways, right? Like I remember when I was in college in St. Lawrence College in Cornwall, Ontario, like a, a couple of my buddies wrote water skiing. And so there's a couple of factories on the St. Lawrence River. They dumped uh, while they were water skiing and they, they all ended up with huge rashes on their skins. They had these rash skin burn things from whatever effluent was being dumped from the factory, right? So stuff like that from even in the early 90s, new rules have changed. Now I'm talking Canadian now. Mm-hmm. But like these rules protect you from having these harsh chemicals dumped into the waterways, killing fish stocks and polluting your drinking water, you know, making water you can't even swim in. And so now things have changed again. Yeah. And I mean, their big thing is like you, everything, like it all goes downhill. Water all goes downhill. Yep. Everything seeps in and it all ends up out in a river. 
Yes. So when you're dumping it into these little side tributaries, streams stuff, underwater streams, yeah. and you know wetlands, wetlands drain into waterways, and these waterways drain into big rivers, and the rivers drain into the ocean. It all ends up at the your pesticides, fertilizers, your yeah. fracking waste. Yeah, they say even your granola wrapper. Yes. You know, ends up in the river, yep. right? I mean, all you got to do is go paddling on any given day and you see the garbage that's that's in some of the local rivers, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they they spent four years checking all this out. Scientists, EPA, everything. They did the groundwork. They we're, did the footwork. We're going to make sure before we put this into place, let's do all the footwork. They did it and they said, you know what? Yeah, um... This needs to be done. So May 2015th, the clean water rule was adopted, immediately challenged in court, which boggles my brain right there. Yeah. No, don't protect the, the water. clean water rule. Mm-hmm. Why would you, why would you fight something like that? Yeah. Well, because it infringes on a business's right to make yeah. money. Uh, it also infringes on people's right to drink clean water. They don't have the power that money does. Exactly. Right. So the federal appeals court issued a stay before the rule took effect, which the Supreme Court overruled in 2018. Um, so yeah, so EPA advisory panel of 41 scientists, many of them handpicked by the current government, issued a strong worded draft finding that the new rule neglects established science. Yeah. So even the handpicked science scientists are saying, yeah. Dude. No, you can't. What are you doing? Do yeah. Right? New water rule exemplifies the way in which current administration has dismissed or marginalized scientific evidence at odds with its policy goals. So, well, you know what? That's going to cost us money. So, yeah, we don't we don't agree <laughs> right? with it. Um, yeah, you know what? It's It puts drinking water for millions of Americans at risk of contamination from unregulated pollution. Stripping away protections that were put in place in the 70s and 80s that Americans have relied on for their health. The new rule effectively erases uh, the clean water rule and turns the regulatory clock back to 1972 when Congress passed the landmark Clean Water Act. Now, back in 1972, like you say, Nixon was president. They they wanted this passed. One third of the nation's waters were safe for fishing and swimming. He vetoed it. Nixon vetoed yeah. it. Said no, not happening. His, his concern was that it's the cost of enforcement would be so cumbersome that we can't be doing this thing. Yeah. So all of a sudden, people are got both sides of the floor are saying, "Hey, no, it's no, no, time." No. So there was a big bipartisan thing that happened, and they passed it. They they basically told you can take your veto and you can stick it where the sun don't yes. shine. Yeah. And this Clean Water Act was passed, nineteen seventy two. And uh, Senator Howard Baker from Tennessee back in 72, far and away the most significant and promising piece of environmental legislation ever enacted by Congress. There you go. And 1972 is how many years ago? I don't have that. I don't have 48 years ago. 48 years. And now 48 years later, we're right back 48 years ago. Yeah. So like like I was saying earlier, like you, you slowly progress legislation and rules to protect waterways over a 50 year period. And so there's a lot of progress. There's a lot of reasons why you want to protect it. There's a lot of industry that are doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. So these rules were enacted, put in place to protect drinking water. 
and the you know the natural riparian waterways and stuff like that so and suddenly it's like boom with a stroke of a pen we're back to 72 all of that progress is now gone mm-hmm. and the and the benefit the benefit totally it doesn't go there's no benefit to the public there's no benefit to drinking water there's no benefit to uh, waterways and stuff like that the environment and animals and plants and whatever the benefit is for mining oil industry uh, it, it's it's it, big business. Yeah, it benefits people with the big bucks who uh, want to drain a drain a, a waterway or drain a a uh, what's it called? The wetlands. Wetlands. Yeah. Hey, I want to drain a wetland. I want to fill it in, gravel it up, and make a shopping parking lot. Yeah, parking lot, shopping yeah. mall. So that's who it's going to benefit. Yeah. So, I mean, like I say, I mean, it's the drinking water, it's the health aspect of it. I mean, and we're looking at it from the paddling aspect. I mean, when we're out there paddling and you're camping. Yeah. And so, like you say, do, you, do I want to be paddling through sludge? Yeah, exactly. And so you can you can take your filter and you can filter out Guardia or whatever from animals, you know, pooping in the water. You can filter that out. You can't filter out toxins and yeah. oil and whatever waste, right? Yeah. You know, heavy mineral contents from You can boil like your water for mines. your two minutes whatever, five minutes, 10 yeah. minutes, whatever you want to boil that water for, that stuff's still sticking in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the heavy metals yeah. are still going to be there. The cancer causing heavy metals. And so now these rules are that were there protect us or now again, uh, we're talking from south of the border. This is an American perspective, but oh, we, we have lots of we, uh, we still US care listeners. Here. So yeah, but we care up here too. Like, and it doesn't, it, water doesn't care which way it flows. Mm-hmm. We do have some water that some water that flows into Canada, but we share the Great Lakes, right? Yep. So we share the Great Lakes and that's a key water and, uh, you know, drinking water, swimming and fishing and, you know, industry is, is going to now take advantage of this new rule and, and they're going to do what they do, make their money and they don't really care about the environment. Yeah. It's a shame. So, uh, just as a final thing here. They uh, say such an outcome is almost impossible to imagine in today's Congress. The future of Clean Water Act's enforcement, therefore, will instead be determined by who the American people send to Congress and the White House in the coming years. Mm-hmm. Talk about vote counting. Yep. You know, I mean, you're talking about your own health. People still don't get it, though. Yeah. You hope people wake up. And, you know, I think the only way people are going to wake up is when you have uh, <clears throat> more Flint, Michigans, and more incidents like that where, you know, mine levees burst and heavy metal wa- wastewater will flow into streams, killing fish and, you know, ruining our drinking water. And so it's, it's something that we really, I don't know. It's, well, you got to think when you're out in wetlands and stuff like that and you see the deer walking through and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, that'll and be then, on. Then, then you're going out and you're shooting a deer. Mm-hmm. You're taking them home and you're eating them. Yep. There we go. And they just drank all from those polluted streams. Mm-hmm. Where do you think all that stuff's going? Yeah. Right into the meat that you're going to eat. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to, you got to think it's more than just, oh, it's more than just our drinking water. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so. It's the entire environment. Anyway, time to uh, take a peek, people, and uh, start thinking about what's going on. Uh, let's get off that uh, subject. Um, I don't think I have anything else other than some events. Yeah. A couple of events that are coming up. So let's talk about events. Let's talk about happier things, like <laughs> events. Winter in the Wild weekend, Family Day weekend, February 15th to 17th at New Lake in Algonquin Park. I will be there. I don't know if I will. Like we, uh, 
we're letting weather determine. We're going to book last minute. Oh, yeah. Take a non-reservable site if we decide to go. In the past couple of years, when we've gone with the kids, if it's like minus 30, it's just like the kids are hiding out in the tent the whole time. So they're not you enjoying were just, it. You were just winter camping. Yes, we were. Uh, we went from Mule Lake last weekend. We uh, we did a lot of snowshoeing. My legs and <laughs> hip flexors are still <laughs> sore. But yeah, we had the kids out snowshoeing. We did quite the huge route along the uh, Highland Backpacking Trail and we, uh, the kids were breaking trail, had a lot of fun. All four of us were on snowshoes. It was a lot of fun. We, uh, brought out the hot tent. We, uh, met up with, uh, Canoe Hound, uh, Dennis Rogers, mm-hmm. uh, met up with, uh, uh, the, uh, stick stove guy, twig stove guys. Uh, oh, K-I-H-D. Kid. Yeah. So met up with all those guys. That was a lot of fun. It was a fun group of guys. So it was, so it was a really good weekend. It was a lot of fun. I got Tracy a brand new pair of She was showing them to me. Her own snowshoes, yeah. Yeah. She said she broke yours, so she needed a pair. I broke, yeah, so I better get my own pair. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) What about mine? Replace them. We broke two (laughs) pairs of snowshoes last year. My my wooden ones snapped in one spot. Okay. And then those other ones um, snapped. Okay. Uh, They were were aluminum plastic sort of, whatever that material is. And uh, yeah, I guess they just had seen better days and mm-hmm. thump, thump. <sighs> No. So I got a new set, but then, uh, yeah, so Tracy's got her own yeah. set of, and we'll be using next next weekend mm-hmm. up at Mew Lake. Uh, Paddling Adventures Radio's fourth anniversary is February 17th. I think I'm going to get a lot of memories on Facebook saying, <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. many years ago, four years ago, four years ago, four yeah. years building up. Because the... 4th of February, I do believe it. We actually put out the notification that, hey, in this a couple of weeks yeah. from now, we will be joining WRVO yeah. uh, with a weekly uh, show about uh, paddle sports. Yeah. That was four years ago, man. I know. Holy cow. This is uh, episode 208 right now. 208. <laughs> wow. You're old. <laughs> the yeah so february 17th and it's february 17th is family day yes on family day weekend so i'll i'll at least be in the park mm-hmm. so uh toronto outdoor adventure show february 21st to 23rd at the toronto international center i will be doing a presentation is is it's time to redefine adventure mm-hmm. on the paddle, adventures and paddling stage 1245 on saturday february 22nd are you going to, are you going to come for the, and check things out? Or are you going to come? I'm planning on going. I just haven't Saturday? fully committed yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not reading a book. It's going to win. <laughs> What's the date of it again? The 20th. Oh, well, it's 22nd. I'll be there 22nd, yeah. 23rd. So Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. If you see us roaming around, stop us and say hello. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We don't bite mm-hmm. much. The two old guys with gray beards. Yeah. Yeah. You're actually growing a beard, buddy. Look at that, eh? I trimmed it back. It was getting too... It was getting too long. The mandolin is too much for you to handle? No. My <laughs> wife didn't like it. That's getting Uh-oh. too long. <laughs> well, you've got to keep her happy too. You bought her a card. Grow a beard, dude. I know. <laughs> uh, the Quiet Adventure Symposium, February 29th in Lansing, Michigan. The Michigan State University Pavilion. Uh, I will, Derek and I will both be there. Yes, we will. We have a booth and we will be doing interviews during the day with various uh, people that are at the show. And I will be presenting at three o'clock in the Betsy River Room. 
Paddling Film Festival, Tuesday, March 10th, Drums and Flats in Ajax. Tickets are $15. We sell out every year. Mm-hmm. Tickets are on Eventbrite. Uh, there is a link. There, there was a link. Should yeah. probably still be a link. Should be on our link. page. Otherwise, go to Eventbrite and just put in Paddling Film Festival Ajax, and it'll bring you right to the page. Yeah. Canucopia, March 13th to 15th, Madison, Wisconsin, at the Alliant Energy Center. John Van Berger will be there with his booth for the outdoor kind. Uh, Derek is still flip-flopping yeah, like still a dead fish. It's so far. Oh, <laughs> grow a set, But a dude. bunch of guys are going. Like Alan Drummond, I think, is going to be there. He's He'll be flying in from the UK. Oh, is he? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's just getting back from from England. He's got a wedding, family wedding in England or something. Oh, okay. But he's that's what he's trying to figure out. If people are driving, then he'll come home and, and oh. drive out. Otherwise, he's gonna fly into Chicago. Got it. Then maybe do a quick little yeah. hopper over to Madison, and then mm-hmm. hopefully catch a ride back with somebody who's got an extra spot in his car. Yeah. So that's why he's been asking the questions the last couple of days. Who's going? I was so. looking at flights. And Try. The, I know, but it, it, obviously, yeah, because the uh, so the cheapest flight I could find was three hundred and twenty-five bucks from Toronto International Airport to uh, some. I can't remember the little name of the town, but it goes to there. And uh, so it was three hundred twenty-five bucks. I was like, oh, that's not too bad, but it was cheap because there's a nine-hour layover somewhere. So yeah, <laughs> it's like I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> a nine-hour layover? Just... Tijuana. <laughs> we're, we're we're going from Toronto to Chicago with a nine-hour layover in Tijuana. <laughs> I think you fly from Toronto to Chicago. There's a nine-hour layover, and then it takes you to this little town near uh, Madison. Yeah. <laughs> then like, you got to hitchhike. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I. You need to. You need to contact. Um, Alan say I'm going to drive down yeah. or Alan will probably drive again yeah yeah. Uh, we'll drive down yeah. find a third or fourth person Matt Olson and do a, do a, do a road trip yeah do a road trip mm-hmm. oh and if you're getting Matt Olson paddle in yeah to, to join you guys talk a lot yeah I'll tell you <laughs> if you can talk for 10 hours he will he never never go again <laughs> yeah yeah I said he loves it <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so update on whether Derek's going to be at Canucopia or not. So uh, who went with you last time? It was Matt Olson, Matt Alan Drummond, you, and, and Dwayne, Dwayne Sontag. Dwayne Sontag yes. from the Camping Family. Yeah. Uh, what a Ontario Backcountry Canoe Symposium, Saturday, April 4th, Waterloo, Ontario, Theatre of the Arts Building, University of Waterloo. Derek and I will be there with our booth. We are not actually presenting there this year, but we have our booth out front and yeah. uh, chit-chat with people, come up and say hi. And I believe they are sold out already. Are they? Really? Yeah. I'm yeah. glad I got my tickets. And this is April already. Well, we don't need tickets, but I need I, them from you. I bought tickets for, the, I bought two tickets. The wives. For Yes, the wives. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Trace is actually making it this year. Oh, She's awesome. She's not working. Perfect. Uh, April 17th, John Van Berger is going to be on Canoe Hound Adventures show, the live stream. Oh. Talking about uh, first responders, Yukon Journey. Um, the outdoor kind, that yeah. sort of thing. So did you watch it this week? Actually, Marcus was on. Yes. And I was busy searching for a new washing machine. <laughs> I have spent so much money this week. Oh my. It's painful. <sighs> it's painful. Yeah. Yeah. I, Phones I, uh, and I, iPads and washing machines and now a yeah. new printer. Oh, I don't have any money left. I got distracted last night, that, that uh, Tuesday night too. And I, just, I meant to go on and watch and see how the thing went, but I, uh, I was catching up on the Mandalorian. 
(laughs) (laughs) And I totally forgot about it. You got to watch AJ and the Drag Queen. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. There's there's some funny bits in there. Just little chuckles. Yeah. But it just keeps, you just keep chuckling. (laughs) Um, What's that? Ottawa Outdoor and Adventure Travel Show, April 18th, 19th, Nepean Sportsplex in Ottawa, or I guess Nepean. Free entry to the show, free parking, they're telling us now. Really? I think, yeah, because they're trying to get people back to it because it was put off for it was, a year. Uh, it was it just yeah. one year it was off? Yeah. I will be presenting. I may be presenting twice. I'm just waiting to find out exactly mm-hmm. if I'm presenting once or twice that weekend. So, How can they afford to give free admission? I don't know. I don't care. Wow. As long as hmm. they pay me my millions of dollars in yeah. craft dinner. <laughs> my multi-dollar corporation here. <laughs> you get free air to breathe. Oh, uh, and just so you don't hear it through the grapevine, uh, Alan got a raise. Alan. Drummond. A for raise. Doing, yeah, for doing these, these things. A, he got we, a raise. We pay him? I, doubled, I don't get paid. I doubled his salary. <laughs> Two times nothing. <laughs> Is still nothing. I want double, damn it. You're getting double. I'll give you triple. You're getting awesome. triple now. So triple nothing. Yeah. I that's yours. Three times the amount of beer I have to bring. Well, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I think that's all that's happened. There's a lot happening in the next mm-hmm. couple months, man. A lot happening. Yeah. I'm busy. Be... Well, it's the, uh, it's the outdoor show circuits, right? Yeah. And that's the, that's the, uh, I, it's one of the times of year that I'm always excitedly looking forward to, right? To get out to the, I, I think one of the big ones that I like, I like the rabbit show or, yeah. you know, as they call it, the, uh, what is the it? quiet adventure, the quiet adventure symposium with a side order of rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. And I like the Toronto outdoor show and you know, all the naysayers, yada, yada, yada. But you know, it's nice to get out and see like-minded people and see people <laughs> like there's, uh. The uh, Black Feather are doing a presentation at the Toronto Outdoor Show, and they're going to be talking about the uh, Mountain River. They're they're discussing. That's their, been um, popular the last couple of years. <clears throat> it has. Uh, so David Lee has gone on it. Uh, Jim Baird and Jim Ted, Baird Ted Baird. And Ted Baird. So we know a lot of people personally that have gone and done the Mountain River, mm-hmm. and so it's uh, it's I don't know. Maybe we should go. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Come on, Lotto Six Forty. I know. Eh? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I'm looking. There's a. I've been looking into the speakers and and who's doing what. I hear you're doing. I don't know if I'm gonna get to see yours, but oh. I'm sure there's somebody more interesting at the same time yours That's is gonna be on. You. <laughs> so there, yeah, there's there's been some trolls out there, like you say, naysayers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Why would you go to Toronto? Somebody would call it a scum bucket city. <laughs> You know, all the pollution. When I, why would I drive my all the way down there? And I said, well, I'm going to be going, even though it is a scumbuck city. <laughs> I, go, I go, oh, and I'm presenting too. So make sure you stop by and say hello. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, whatever. Can you get somebody to videotape your uh, presentation? Yeah, a few people have asked if it's going to be mm-hmm. up on YouTube and that. So I'll get Derek to. Uh, uh, I might be at watching another presentation. At the same time? Really? <laughs> oh, you dirty dog. <laughs> Nobody show Derek. <laughs> Next week, Derek's book club will be Derek talking about an actual book and it'll be 15 minutes of silence. I wonder if the, I got to start looking for Cole's notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This week I read Spider-Man issue 432. <laughs> What's uh, in Canada, we have Cole's notes. What are they called in the Cliff US? notes. Cliff notes. Yeah. There's there Cole's notes and Cliff's notes. Yeah. Yeah. Way to go, Derek. <laughs> and if anybody can figure out how to get Derek to read a book. Please drop us a line. <laughs> Do you Books know somebody that tape. refuses to? Yeah. 
<laughs> well, now they got the Audible, which is the yeah. downloadable books, right? Yeah. So you listen to them. I do a couple of those lately. Mm-hmm. Download them, listen to them while in rush hour traffic. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you're apparently not allowed to read a book while you're driving. <laughs> it's frowned upon. Yeah, very frowned upon. Yeah. Just what? as a side note. <laughs> <laughs> Your eyes are on big as pie plates. Tracy texted me today. I hope she wasn't driving when she texted me. <laughs> I just saw somebody on their phone while we were driving. And they were doing sign language. So it was FaceTime sign language. FaceTime sign language while driving. Wow. Yeah. You, do you need both hands for uh, sign language? Generally? For I, most words? I don't even want to know what they were using to hang onto the <laughs> steering wheel with. <laughs> we'll just leave that to your own imagination. Wow. Yeah. That just seems so dangerous. You think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where's a cop when you really need one? I know, right? Well, Your Honor, he was doing sign language. Yeah. While driving. <laughs> right before he died. Yeah. He was he was signing into a yeah. into his phone. All this I was like video chat. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> he kept signing a lot of A's and then one H. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. You just, just reminded me. Yeah. I just, just remembered that. Wow. That's I, incredible. She, Tracy texted me. And I, I never did even ask, were you like driving when you texted <laughs> me that? Cause I sure hope not. Um, that's all I've got for today. That's all I've got. Alrighty. Well, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. If you go to the episode page at Paddling Adventures Radio, you can find uh, all our episodes, all 208 episodes there. You can stream them or download them. Uh, We got a couple videos on YouTube, and if you have a guest blog, I still got to put up a couple of them. Yes, we've been... I've been slacking. We've been remiss on our duties. Uh, It's just been so busy lately with everything. (laughs) It's just like... And I know they're sitting there. I just got to format them and put them up, and it's just like... Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, please, uh, share it with everybody. We're trying to grow our fan base, get on Facebook and all that sort of stuff. Tell people to like us. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Love me. Uh, other than that, that's about it. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.